Welcome to the 10th episode of Make Pro Wrestling Majestic Again. I am the new Majestic Champion of the World, Tiger Heights. So here's the thing. <laughs> he literally won this belt with a roll-up and a disqualification. <laughs> that is literally the most bullshit way <laughs> of winning the Majestic Champion of so, the world. So other than your illustrious champion and butthurt former champion, let's talk about our first contest of Hell in a Cell. Yes, which, which is, we actually didn't miss. So we had to pick a mothership from the airport. Yep. And uh, we thought we missed it because, of course, traditionally these events start at four, but this one started at five for some reason. So I guess which I was not I was not a problem with because number one, the pre-show match we didn't do a prediction on, so we weren't missing anything. Right. And also, um, we didn't miss the pay-per-view, so we didn't have to sit there and watch the pre-show. So I was excited about that. Um, Let's do this one. Bailey versus Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Champion and Hell in a Cell. Oh my God, this rivalry going into was so bad. It, it was, was bad. It but was the, so but bad. God damn, the, match, the was match was good. This is gonna be a theme throughout the night. It the really rivalries is. Rivalries are terrible, but the match. Then the matches good. are fucking excellent. Um, and this one was no joke. Um, I will say at least one thing: they played the story into um, this match very well. It didn't but the, over... But the one match that I wanted to see on this pay-per-view, they moved it to SmackDown. Because SmackDown was hurting and they wanted to do something else, and I don't know why. Trust me, I'm not any happier than you are with this bullshit. Right. Um, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it when we make pro wrestling majestic again. Right. Because that is something that we are going to be talking about. Sounds well, let's good. Let's talk about this one. There were great stuff. So number one, I mean, well, I'll talk about it later, but the hair stuff was way too much. They really... But they overegged that pudding. Oh yeah, they did. But wow. it was but it was a KOD on a ladder for Bianca Blair to keep the belt. The belt looks like a baby. It's really bad. Hey look, a Facebook notification on my other face or on my Instagram. So Hooray. <laughs> totally distracted. Um but yeah, no, the match was fine. Uh-huh. It was it was whatever. Yeah. I mean I don't know what else you can really say about it. Bianca Blair retained, Bailey is fine. Hooray. Right. Oh, um, what about the history-making thing? Bianca Blair was the first. Oh yeah, woman. so she's the first non non-horsewoman to uh, yep. be in a Hell in a Cell match. Yep. So every, every other, other match. Ma- every other women's Hell in a Cell match had the had only those four horsewomen in it. Right. Sasha uh, Banks. Up, up until tonight. Right. Up until tonight, Sasha Banks. Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, or Bailey. Um, Bailey. Which so I, th- I think is really cool. The first time someone else I had those four was yeah. in that match. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. So this is where I won my championship back. No, you didn't. This is where you, this is where we theoretically tied. We theoretically tied, but this is where the greatest reign in the history of the world is starting right here. No, it's not, because <laughs> you won it by roll-up. So we have we have a guy who... So is... Cesaro and Seth Rollins. So number one, the match was fucking excellent. Well, because of Cesaro. And Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins. Who, who can't do a bad match right. ever. Um, I loved a couple of this stuff in here. I thought these two... Well, number one, they had a really good rivalry going into right. it. Um and also, you could feel that intensity with this match, right. too. And, I don't know, I loved it. I loved when um, Cesaro took off Rollins' glove and shoved it in his mouth and then kicked it across the way. Yep. Um, that was really um, funny. You know, Cesaro did a, uh, a Rainmaker, and that was, a, that was interesting. Yeah, he did a Rainmaker, full Rainmaker, which, yeah, that was very interesting. I loved it. Um, Rollins is just 
awesome. I don't know how you can say that. And I'm pretty sure it kind of sucks. Well, the rivalry is okay, but I feel like they kind of over-egged it. They should have ended it at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think they should have as well. Then they tried to do Cesaro and Roman Reigns, and they got cold feet for some reason or another. I don't know why. Um, but it was Rollins with a roll-up yep. to win the match. Um, a very great match. Nobody looked bad. Was it a good roll-up? It was a great roll-up. Was roll it up. a good roll-up? It was the greatest roll-up in the history of wrestling. <laughs> Whatever. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nick! <laughs> That's funny. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a very good match. Mm. I really enjoyed this one. I thought these guys worked really hard. And honestly, I think this could rival up to their WrestleMania match. It was just that good of a match. Yeah. I really right. enjoyed it. So, okay, okay, hold on. Oh, boy. But, but, okay, but, oh, boy. But, I saw that segment. They replayed it. Yeah, they did. They, this shit. Now, okay, they replayed the segment, but I'm going to say I enjoyed this match a lot more than we should have. Yeah. Um, Alexa it, was, Bliss, it was a decent match. It was a really decent match. I liked it. I thought um, some of like the um, like staring at people and them doing the same thing was a little hokey, but I thought it wasn't like the main focus well, of see, it. See, here's the thing about this though: with someone like Alexa Bliss's character, you really have to you you can't stop evolving it because it gets stale really quickly. Right, and Shayna Baszler. Um, people were like really bitching about Shayna Baszler's acting. I thought she did really well in this match of trying to keep that control right. away from her main focus, which actually really added to the match, and I really liked it. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird like Sister Abigail DDT thing and a uh, Twisted Bliss for Alexa Bliss to win, uh -huh. which I thought was an I mean, okay, I understand why, but at the same time, at the end of the day, she's going to have to, if she continues to win these high-profile matches, because it is high-profile, um, she's going to have to go for the belt or else these and, matches mean nothing. Right, and I, I said this to Tiger Height earlier, that this, I think, is going to be her return to being a heel. I, feel I like, hope so. I feel like she's going to start to drop some of these weird, hokey things and just go full-blown. You think blown. so? Yeah, I think she'll just go back to her old ways of being just that bitch heel. I don't know. The problem is, is when you get into this spot, you just can't stop it. You have to get her out of this power I, trip yeah. in some way, shape, yeah, or form. Yeah, they're going to. Yeah. But and Shayna Baszler, I think, be the one to break that. And then Shayna Baszler is going to be one no. on the swing dressing up as a 12-year-old girl? That'd no. be kind of interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that Alexa Bliss is eventually going to start dropping some no, of these. No, she, she will, but there's a way to do it because you just can't drop it because no. this thing is so this thing, this thing is so instrumental right. into her character. It's, it's going to keep evolving to the point to where it just evolves itself into her here's, being here, Here's the thing. The only one that I – I mean, well, we'll talk about this when we make Pro Wrestling Majestic again, so I won't spoil it because we'll talk about this more um, because I actually have a really great way to do this because I do agree with you. They are going to drop this, yeah. but there's a way to do it. Oh, I have, I have ways that I oh, have yeah. ways that you can do this we'll, too. We'll, we'll do that when we make Pro Wrestling Majestic again, but the yep. match itself, once again, it was way better than anybody, number one, expected and number two, it should have been. It, right. was a, it, was a really, it was an excellent match. It was a really fun match. It kept, I mean, I was watching it and I was entertained, and I think that's at the end of the day what you wanted. These two have great chemistry. Oh, yeah. Um, and Reginald and Nia Jax got involved just enough to where it wasn't annoying, but it added on to the developing story right. that we're seeing. Right. So I'm not mad about it. So overall, I enjoyed it. And Alexa Bliss won, who needed, I think, more than Baszler. So there, there you go. There we go. go. 
So totally different picture. They didn't have any of the fun stuff. But uh, Kevin so Owens the, versus Sami Zayn. So the tenth iteration of this rivalry. But the problem is here. Here's the problem. Oh crap! Go away. Leave. Come on. Notification. Go away. Thank you. So, um, as soon as um, were you just were were you just yelling at a phone notification to go away? Yes. So, um, at the end of the day, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, you can have this match ten times in three different pay per views, and I would not get bored. Right. These two are so good together. There is a magic there that just works so well. Kevin Owens' selling of his shoulder Mm -hmm. was so awesome. Where and that's how you do it. I think everybody should take notes. And well, I'll talk about that when we make pro wrestling majestic again, definitely. But right. this match was a just a textbook how to do a wrestling match, wrestling match. Oh yeah. Um, and Sami Zayn actually won with a haluva kick. And I learned something because I did not know this. Will you go fucking away, NHL? I swear to God, the playoffs are. I love the playoffs. Who's, who's who won? I think it was the Golden Knights. I could be wrong. You might be. Anyways. Anyways. Going. <laughs> we have to keep track of it. So, um, it was a Haluva kick. So, I did not know this until Peanut Gallery actually pointed it out. Um, I thought Haluva was something that tied into Sami Zayn's um, heritage or something like that. I did not know that it was a hell of a kick. And I feel like a retard for not knowing this at all. Mick! I was I was thoroughly enjoyed by that. So yeah, Sami Zayn did win. I think he needed the win more than Owens, but Owens did great with selling, and we'll talk about it later. Anyways, go nice one. Sweet. <laughs> Here's where we cement the legacy of me winning with some bullshit. Yeah, it was disqualification. <laughs> Charlotte so- Flair literally won this match. By fucking disqualification. Um yeah, so it was uh, Ray Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Once again, these two are awesome together they had a bar barn burner match and it was fantastic i loved it now this one i like the rivalry going into it because it kind of made sense but right god damn it charlotte again do you have any other women that you can give this opportunity to I i'm sorry not. but here's oh I'll, I'll talk about this when we make this majestic again but i'll i'll kind of say this who else but charlotte who else is on that caliber other than Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Yeah, again, they, they, they lack the star-building yes. power. Yes, it is 100% their fault, but there's also natural ability, which we'll get into a discussion about, and I feel like it's going to be a little more than just one discussion. But um, Rhea Ripley is still the champion. Charlotte won the match by disqualification. The match itself was awesome. It was mm-hmm. such a great match. You can't go wrong with a Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair match clearly you just can't in any way shape or form they're going to pull off a good match we saw them in triple threat we saw them in singles you just can't go wrong right and i thought that with the end of the COVID era i thought this one was a really good one to tie out at least this one up until you have uh fans back into the seats so great match i enjoyed it and we have the main event Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, Hell in a Cell for the WWE Champion, and the stipulation outside of that was if Drew McIntyre did not win the championship, he could not get another opportunity at the title as long as Bobby Lashley is champion. Um, Drew McIntyre did lose with some bullshit. It was a roll-up with tights in a 
very good Hell in a Cell match. Um, I thought that, number one, the rivalry going into it was awesome. The build to it was very good. I thought MVP's involvement also was a satisfying ending to the rivalry itself. Um, Hero is my issue. I feel like Bobby Lashley doing like a roll-up pin like that was weird. Um, I feel like they're kind of keeping the door open for Drew to have another opportunity because it was with some bullshit, and I don't like that. We'll talk about that here in a minute here, though, but... Um, I just thought it was a great, very brutal, very fun, and a very, very um, rivalry-based, a very good rivalry-based Hell in a Cell match. And that's what you need in a match like this. This is, once again, I'll talk about this later, but I'll at least reiterate. This is why you don't do an event based on a match mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, and we'll talk about that. But this was a really good match. I very much enjoyed it. Peanut Gallery, do you have anything else to add to my rant? No. Excellent. It was a good... Well, the ending was a little lackluster. It really was. Opinion, but it is a nice way to put an end to a rivalry. Hell in a Cell match. Right. Nice way that's, to... That's what you need to do. Hell in a Cell is the ending of a rivalry. Right. That is what this is supposed to right. be. Right. Right. Um, we'll talk about that later. But, so, um, after this when we come back, are we doing yours or are we doing making Pro Wrestling Majestic again? We're going to do mine. Okay. All right, so when we come back, we'll be doing Heckling from the Hard Camera with Peanut Gallery. And what is our topic? Our topic is referred to as nonsensical names. Renaming the WWE events. All right, so stay tuned for that. All right, so we are back. Peanut Gallery. What are we doing for Heckling for the Heart All Camera? All right. So like I said, it's going to be called Nonsensical Names. And what inspired me were the names of WWE's events over the past couple of years. We're talking Hell in a Cell. We're talking Elimination Chamber. We're talking a Money in the Bank. Oh, what about our favorite TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, or our ever-favorite Money in the Bank. While these events, these, um, these matches that these events are based off of are fine, I, feel, I don't feel like the... I don't feel like these matches need nor deserve an event. And it's not that they don't deserve an event, it's that an event doesn't deserve them. They really need to be freed from those hokey event naming conventions that we have gotten used to. Right. Now, sometimes a gimmick makes sense. Let's talk about TNA's lockdown where every single match was fought inside the cage. Right. But again, that is because of the fact that every single event was a part of this match. Or traditional matches where every anniversary for a number of years they had a King of Mountain match. But that's just tradition. Even Money in the Bank itself was a WrestleMania tradition for right, a long but, but time. Right, but WrestleMania was not called Money in the Bank, it was called WrestleMania. Right, but it was a tra but that match was a tradition within the WrestleMania card. And despite the fact that they seem to have renamed the event and moved it to a new pay-per-view. They always have a multi-man ladder match at WrestleMania for whatever reason. Right. Can you please riddle me with 
that scenario. Because it's always a very good match, a good chaotic match that gets the crowd pumping because it's usually the first match on the show. Right. Yeah. So, I was inspired by this. That along with the fact that there are just way too many damn pay-per-views that WWE puts on or specials or whatever you want to say that I think that we need to rename and reformat some of these WWE events. Okay. And we need to have... We, we want to make pay-per-views feel a little bit special again. Right. So let's start. I'm going to start from January and go through December. Okay. So the January event, of course, is Royal Rumble. Right. And I mean... There's just it's just one of those. Big, it's, it's it's a traditional thing. It's um, a big four events, right? With with the Royal Rumble, it's a little bit different because number one, it was a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Patterson made it. He was always like a guy who booked um, battle royals really right. well, and it's just one of those main states that kind of get you into the mood for right. WrestleMania. So this is day. one of those gimmick pay per views that I'll keep around, but. That's just sheer tradition. Right. It, it rings something. Hell, hell in a Cell is not going to be tradition. Let's no. put it that way. Um, but I also said that every other month there's going to be a, a NXT TakeOver event along with it. So right. there should be an NXT TakeOver along with the yes. Royal Rumble. 100%. In the same weekend. Yep. Let's move on February. February, I said that we should definitely do Super Showdown. Super Showdown. So why did you choose February for Super Showdown? Well, because so Super Showdown and Crown Jewel are two events that are taking place in Saudi Arabia. But um, I, I believe that they need to be canon. They need to be canonized pay-per-views. Okay. And here's the reason why. is because they are treated as such by the WWE. Right. They build stuff. To they build these stuff shows. up it, and then usually what happens is the week after they have one of their traditional pay per views, but it, no one watches it because they right. they put all their now, good matches on Super Showdown. Now, now wait, wait. Now here's the thing, though. We did have a discussion about this very early in the newest incarnation of the Pro Wrestling Zone when we moved to Anchor mm-hmm. about the Saudi Arabian relationship. Obviously. Right. Super Showdown and another pay-per-view that we're going to be talking about have association with that, which is still very controversial. Would you keep the names? Why would you keep those names? And and here's the reason why I would keep those names, even if they move outside of I mean, Saudi. I, I think I think eventually they're going to move outside of Saudi, but I think that they should have an international pay per view in this specific February uh, late February I, slot. Right, I, I, I do. Reason, I, I do agree. And, and with the you. reason for that also is because then there's no other pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Kind when of, when right. you have something that's leading up to WrestleMania, you need to give it more than a month build. Exactly. You need to give it a quality build. So Super Showdown, even if you don't treat it as canon, which, I mean, it pretty much is because they have world title matches every single time right. on these cards. And, and then what happens to their pay-per-view? It just is lost in translation because nobody gives a fuck about because it. Because these are the ones that everybody puts their money in. Right. So I think that they should only have one pay-per-view between 
between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and if they were to do it next year, for example, they should do the Super Showdown card here. They will. We will most likely revisit the Super Showdown, um, the Saudi Arabia controversy, since we're on a new platform, right? Um, because I definitely know that we'll have some questions about that because it was a very early episode. This it was, was. This was like a year ago. It was. So it was definitely like right around when they started doing Super yeah. Showdown as a general event, and there were huge issues with it. Yeah. Um, but we, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like the name itself kind of holds some interesting baggage. That it does. It holds interesting the, baggage. The, the, the international thing is a great idea. I would just name it something different than Super Showdown. Right. It sounds kind of hokey. That's the only well, thing. Well, it is, but also they have to have those international shows. <sighs> I know. Because of their contracts. So if they were to do that. That would be where I'd put Super Showdown. It's between I guess. Royal Rumble. No, and no, the, the, the play, once again, the placement is fine, but if it's going to be yep. outside of Saudi Arabia, it cannot be called Super Showdown right. or Crown oh, Jewel yeah, for absolutely. obvious reasons. Right. 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 Anyways, uh, late March, late March, early April, of course, we got WrestleMania. We got WrestleMania. That's his tradition. It was a gamble. Um, you just can't do anything with, with an associated NXT takeover, right? Or two night WrestleMania with NXT superstars added into it. But we talked about that. I feel like it would be a bad idea. All right, moving on. In early May, we got Backlash. Not WrestleMania Backlash. Not WrestleMania Backlash. That's just Backlash. backlash. It's a tradition right after WrestleMania. Why is that? Because it makes sense within the context. Backlash is kind of the... Backlash. People, people will get it. Yes. You don't have to say WrestleMania backlash right. because people are like, huh? No, we're a little bit, we're a little bit smarter than that. We're a like, little bit on. smarter. Like, than like, that. come on. We know what a backlash is. You don't need to say WrestleMania backlash. What other fucking gigantic event is right after the goddamn show? Right. So, anyways, very traditional spot. It brings makes back sense, the makes sense to the backlash. name itself. Right. Right. All right. In mid June, one night stand. I hate the hmm. name Extreme Rules. I don't like the name One Night Stand. I hate Extreme Rules. I like One Night Stand. I have I have a different thing about One Night Stand. And here's the thing about this. With something like One Night Stand, every single match has to have an Extreme Rules. Here's here's no wait, well, here's my thing. Instead of something called One Night Stand, WWE owns a lot of different ECW named properties that were there. What about Hardcore Heaven? Or um, I, I just feel like one night stand implies to me as a adult something a little bit different than a wrestling pay per view. When a girl wants to say, "Do you want a one night stand?" I don't think she's talking about a fucking wrestling event. Well, get your head out of the gutter. A, a one night stand to what? That's the problem. Unless you right. have ECW one night stand, this doesn't make sense. But if it was between. One night stand, extreme rules. I would rather have extreme rules. Well, let's not talk about the horror show at extreme rules. Yes, that's very different. Once again, <laughs> like 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 WrestleMania backlash. But, but I'm, the I'm trying. At extreme I'm rules trying to get rid of the. the that's fine, name but one night stand. I I just don't believe one night stand is the right solution. Once again, ECW had a ton of different names for events of pay per views that they ran all the time. And they did it once before December to Dismember was oh, easy. God. That wasn't well, ECW was, yes. named property back in the nineties. It was before the two thousand five debacle. You have <laughs> other things. Um, you can call it like WWE goes hardcore or hardcore TV or hardcore heaven. There's a lot of different names. Right. I just don't think 
One Night Stand. Oh, I'm going to watch One Night Stand. What is that? The fuck is that telling anybody right. else? But but anyways, I think that the point of it being is and, that uh, like like a more of a grungier, extreme style right. wrestling exactly. show kind of there. I don't with, mind that. with an associate NXT event, right? So maybe something a little similar. To yeah, that. exactly. Cool. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Maybe Mid- maybe something maybe something outside in the field. Mid July, <laughs> we got No Way Out or No Escape. This this is our cage event. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't be hell in a cell every time. It doesn't have the to be elimination chamber. Okay, so once again, you and I had this huge discussion. Elimination chamber, as a name, was a very bad idea. Um, not for the actual match name itself. I thought that was fine, but the problem. But they have to rename it something different in Germany because of its connotations. So I say <laughs> either no way out or no escape. I like right. no way out. Because not only does it harken back to an older WWE pay-per-view name, but it also implies that it's a cage match in which there's no way to escape. Right. I exactly. think it makes sense. And then you don't have to have extreme rules. You don't have to have an elimination chamber match every year. You don't have to have a Hell in a Cell match every year. You right. just have this where you're free to kind of choose what type of cage match would be most appropriate based on what's happening in the industry. Right. No, that's fine. I get it. No, I, I oh, get it. But then every single match has to be a cage match. Yes. Every it, single match has here, to be. Here's the problem with like um, Hell in a Cell. It's either they do some of them or right. none of them. And the problem is you have to do either all of them or none of them. Right. Go ahead. So anyways, late August, of course, we got SummerSlam. Yep. With an associated NXT TakeOver event. And we will be going to SummerSlam here in August as well. We actually yep. got tickets. So I'm Big really pumped four, for that. you can't go wrong with right. this. Right, especially with something like SummerSlam. Yep. All right, so we got our uh, late September preview Clash of Champions. I feel like this is a gimmick that works because champions are something that you always want to defend. And it's like one of the only nights of the year where champions are on, where every single champion should be on. It's, it's, it's a great little showcase. It I is. like it. I don't have any problem with this whatsoever. Yep, it is. And, al- and also the name of the event, um, either Clash or Night of Champions. I feel like Night of Champions would work a little bit more because when you think Clash of Champions... You think a champion versus champion right. match. Um, I just think Knight of Champions would just be a better fit for it, but right. it is what it is. All right, anyways, late October, Crown Jewel. Once again, that, Once again, that, that, that connotation about what it is and right. what it's... But remember, again, WWE... Would this, would this be another inter- international super show? It would be, yes. Okay. And I think that it's a good time for it, too, because usually in late October, people aren't watching a lot of pay-per-views because there's so much going on. Right. And there's so, yeah, there's... You have Halloween, you yeah. have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas all in a row, and then New Year's, you have all those right in a row. People gear up for that stuff in, like, August, September, even. Right. But, so. you know... Again, you don't want to have an international event and then have a pay-per-view where nothing is happening because they put all you're, the, you're wasting you're they, wasting they put time. all the good matches on the international right. events. So you're wasting you're wasting time and you're wasting just money. have the international event be where it's at. And of course, with WWE's partnership with Saudi Arabia, they're going to keep the crown jewel name, and they've traditionally done it in late October. Right. Late November Survivor Series. Um, yeah. Well, unfortunately, you gave me a fucking logo that had, like, a bunch of black on it. So oh, fun. That was your fault here. Let me do that. There okay, we go. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, anyways. I mean, we'll probably talk about evolution at some point in time here soon. But, yeah, sorry about that. So, anyway, Survivor Series, of course, traditional 
big four. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Tradition. Always fun. Yep. Always fun. All right. Then December, we have Evolution or Revolution with an associated NXT takeover. And okay. Reason- so, okay. Okay. Here's, here's my issue with this. And I hate saying this because I hate being a dick. But at the same time, why would you have an all-women's pay-per-view event without having an all-men's pay-per-view event? I'm not saying that Evolution has to be an all-women's pay-per-view event. That's, that's the connotation that you get with it. I'm sorry. Well... But this is because they had only one event and it was an all-women's pay-per-view. My theory behind this is that mid-December, because everyone is so busy with other crap, this would be the perfect opportunity to get eyes glued to the screen by doing something innovative. You maybe, try something different right. each year. E- Evolution, maybe showcase some younger talents in some high-profile matches. Yeah, maybe you have an all-cruiserweight pay-per-view. Maybe you have an all-this-pay-per-view or an all-that-pay-per-view. I guess. Or, or an all-triple-threat pay-per-view. Or, or something that's interesting. Something that gets people to want to watch the event because you're trying or, or, oh this is this is the future right this is the future of wrestling right um let's do it at evolution like you have a a, a maybe a cyber sunday-esque pay-per-view one year where you get the fans to be intrigued by the matches that are there right you know one of those things you know how wwe um it was in the news they usa wanted wwe do different things right this is a great time to do it, and the reason why is because people are so busy with other crap that they probably wouldn't tune into a pay-per-view that is just like every other pay-per-view. Right. They want to tune into something because it's unique, and they want to see its foregone conclusion. Right. That is why I chose either Evolution or Revolution for it. Right. It just depends on the, it depends on the year. It depends on the concept. Who knows? Right. I mean, I think it's a good place to put it. I think so, too. That's what I have for my WWE pay-per-views. I think I kept it generic enough, and I think I kept I, it... I, I, think, I think I brought up some definite things about some name contention in there, but I do like it. I feel like a little bit more of a consistency of um, generic pay-per-views where anything can happen is actually better than... Oh, at Hell in a Cell, that's pretty much where only Hell in a Cell matches are going right. to happen, which we'll actually talk about in our wrestling lesson, um, but it will at least kind of give you an indication of right. what's happening. But the important thing is you get rid of those stupid, gimmicky pay-per-views that don't live up to its hype. Right, get money in the bank back somewhere else, get Put WrestleMania. Put money in the bank back at WrestleMania. I much I would rather much have it there. I right. loved it. I liked Money in the Bank better when it was part of WrestleMania. God, he's bugging the shit out of me. I think I have <laughs> allergies. So, yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, so when we come back, we're going to be talking about wrestling lesson, and we're going to talk about the history of cage matches. Hooray. So stay tuned for that.
All right, we are back. So, um, because it was Hell in a Cell, I feel like a history of cage matches is due in order with it, and I found some great information regarding this. So, uh, we got to get started with kind of our first little indication here, if I was ever prepared, but clearly I'm not because I am an idiot. So, the first cage match. So the first official cage match was, I do have some notes here actually, on January 9th, 1936 in Carisville, Missouri, and it included a chicken-wired fence match. So the picture that you see there, this was not the official match from 1936, but they built it very similarly to this. So what they did was that they built the ring intentionally larger to fit the cage that you see here. And this is what it looked like. They actually had it in a dome shape in the middle of the ring without anything else around it. And clearly with this, the parameters were very interesting because it almost cut the ring down in half to what it was. And they used chicken wire because number one, it was the cheapest kind of cage thing available. But the problem was, is that it hurt. If you ever ran into some chicken wire, it is thin. And when you go full force into something that is thin, um, the surface area is going to break up a little bit, which means you're gonna get cut easier, which is why they always be say careful of a razor blade. It's sharp, yes, but that's just because the surface area is so much thinner that your skin does not have enough to kind of stretch around it. Mm -hmm. So they used chicken wire in this match in 1936. It was between Jez um, and Odo Lundring and Joe Dillman and Charles Shinsky. And it was surrounded by chicken wire and the athletes were inside to prevent any potential interference. Now, that was not the only reason for this. And we actually do have to talk about one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time right here. If you don't know who that is, that is a young Mae Young. So here's the thing. Mae Young, for pretty much the majority of her prime career in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, just keep in mind of how old this woman was. She was like 95 when she died. Um, she, was, she played a heel, and she, was, she loved playing a heel. She always said that any wrestler could play a good, clean wrestler, but it takes talent to be a bad guy. She was so hated. Because number one, she took on um, people like your um, June Byers and your, which we'll actually talk about here when NWA does their all women's event, um, their June Byers and your Mildred Burks. Just keep in mind of how old fucking Mae Young was. Mm -hmm. She was so hated that they actually had to pretty much put chicken wire around the ring for every single one of her matches, not because it was a stipulation, but people would throw into the ring rotten eggs and vegetables because they thought Mae Young was trash. 
So they would do that on purpose to not only protect her, but um, to keep the ring as clean as possible when Mae Young did a match. Now, luckily, Mae Young actually drew huge money back in the 30s and 40s, so she was pretty much always main event. Just keep that in mind, too. So this never really became an issue, but they did this for the safety. So on September 29th, 1942, was the first international cage match that I could possibly find. Um, it was in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and it was John Cratton fighting and defeating Iglesio Martinez in the first ever six-foot-high steel cage match to um, ever exist in record. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and also, this one had steel bars, not chicken wire. So after, actually, that was only the first recorded indication of iron bars at this time. It didn't take until 10 years later for this to be the industry standard. So at this time, chicken wire was still the premier way of using um, steel cage matches, at least for that time, until the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So the 1960s, um, they had, which is actually what I have here. It wasn't this match, but it was between the same people. And this introduced um, wire fencing. So the difference between wire fencing. So I'm not sure, peanut gallery. It was like the two, like the larger blocks of wood and then that little like wire fencing stuff that they have in like your standard fence. Okay. They changed it to that from chicken wire because it was thicker. Ah. It was safer for the wrestlers. And also that was when it was first introduced in the 1960s. So like a chain link fence. Um, not chain link yet. So um, it was so, okay. Um, Trying to find an example. So when we were in school, they had that lower fence. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so it was the wood, and then they had, like, the two wood things right. um, across. But then they also had the um, – they also had that, like, right. wire, that, um, that wired fencing around it. That's what they used. Mm. Um, because not only was it thinner, so it was safer for the wrestlers, but then it was introduced in the 1960s, so they used it then. Ah. Yeah, so this this match right here was the first one that introduced this, and this was Doc and Mac Gallagher versus Guy and Joe Beniti. So both of them were actually pairs of brothers. Uh, the Gallagher brothers won the match, and I really couldn't find any information regarding the promotion on this. But it did take place in Cleveland, Ohio in, I think it was 1964. Four, um, but I found a couple of different dates for the actual match itself, so it was kind of hard for me, which is why I said the 1960s. So from that point, um, from then on, it was either chicken wire, fencing wire, and iron bars that were used interchangeably depending on the budget of the promotion using um, that particular um, type of match. Right. On September 24th, 1979, WWE were the first ones to introduce their own version of the cage match. It was still not um, the chain link or mesh that we know now. It was still wire. And it was between Bruno San Martino and Lou Albano for the WWF champion very early on. Obviously, I think you know the fucking winner of this because I don't believe um, Albano ever won the champion in the WWF. Right. So after that, WWE introduced the chain link fence that oh. we know now. So this came about 
when Bob Backlund was champion. So this was in 1982 when the chain link was introduced into the promotion. Right. Not only was it actually cheaper to make this and keep it around for longer, it was safer for the wrestlers, it was easier to assemble, but it looked better on television. So Bob Backlund actually had a number of steel cage matches defending the champion. He defended it against people like Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik and your general wrestlers that would face against the babyface Bob Backlund. And um, also the first match that actually had the chain link was between Backlund and Pat Patterson. Mm. So, and Backlund obviously retained that title. And here's the thing. Um, steel cage matches were not only introduced as the end of a rivalry, but it introduced the beginning of very major rivalries. And the best example of this was uh, Christmas Day in 1982, Dallas, Texas. Huh. WW or the NWA World Heavyweight Champion match between Kerry Von Erich and Ric Flair, hometown for Kerry Von Erich, with uh, Michael P.S. Hayes as the guest referee. Now, this match is significant because not only they were in Texas, not only did Ric Flair win, but Terry Gordy actually interfered on Flair's behalf, slamming the door right. into Von Erich. And this kicked off the rivalry between the Von Erichs and the Fabulous Freebirds. Here's the thing. Why this, um, why this rivalry was so hated? It was not just because it was the hometown boys versus the Georgians. The problem was is that the Von Erichs used the flag of Georgia. Mm -hmm. At that time, there was a symbol on that flag that was very controversial even to this day. Right. Peter Gallery, I want you to answer this. This is the early 80s. What was on their flag? the Confederate combat flag. Oh. So they would wave the Georgia flag in Texas going against the Von Erichs in the WCCW promotion. So if you want to talk about nuclear heat, try, they could not, security had to be in the building at all times because there were bomb threats and bombs actually sent to hotels and to the building to stop the dastardly Freebirds. If you want to talk about mega heat, that's mega heat. Oh, yeah. So um, that's always fun. And obviously, we if, if you want to talk about famous cage matches, you cannot talk about famous cage matches without talking about Don Morocco versus Jimmy Superfly Snuka, no. where Snuka flew off of the top of the cage with a Superfly splash for the Intercontinental Champion back in 1983. And it like this really took cage matches to a whole new level because nobody in the entire history of cage matches from the 1930s up until now actually jumped off of the top of the cage for an attack, right. ever. It never happened. So this was very significant in what they could do with this. And it really gave a lot of promoters definite opportunity for different stuff. Right. To now, at this point, the concept of the cage was not becoming as um, prominent of like a major 
television draw. So WWF decided to do something a little bit different. Not only did they get rid of the mesh cage, at least for the time being, because number one, actually, um, start people started to get bothered by the color of it because it was a little hard to see, but they also replaced it with the blue iron bars. Right. And obviously, if you're talking about mid to late 80s, early 90s cage matches, especially in WWF, you think about the blue iron bars, um, which number one, space things out a lot more so people can see, but also it was a different color than your standard black and silver. Right. So actually it really cooled down for everybody that they could see. I kind of wish they'd actually bring something like this back, but that's hearsay, I guess, especially with Hell in a Cell now. Uh, the first match that actually introduced these was the WrestleMania 2 match between Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy. And trust me, I checked everywhere. This was the first one that I could find right. that had this. Speaking of different concepts for steel cages, ah, yes. we have had everything at this point. You, we had um, the Asylum match in TNA, Six Sides of Steel. Uh, we had barbed wire fence cage matches, your chicken wire, your wired. But let's talk about war games. This was a brainchild from Dusty Rhodes who got influenced with this with the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome uh -huh. um, cage concept where everybody was surrounding the cage and it was domed on top. Right. And that's where we actually got this idea. They added in the two rings to really spruce it up even more so because actually um, Memphis Wrestling used a one cage with a roof on top concept for at least 10 years before this happened. So Dusty Rhodes wanted to do something different. And if you, th if you believe that the War Games matches were only on pay-per-views, you're actually mistaking quite a bit. So the first one was in the Omni in Atlanta for Great American Bash in 1987. And actually, the entire tour starting at the Omni at the Great American Bash had war games matches. So even before they reached the 90s, there were five war games. And, and four of them were actually on house shows. They weren't even on pay-per-view. Huh. Yeah. So obviously there was one at the Miami Orange Bowl. Chicago had one at the UIC Pavilion um, and other NWA debuts at the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. So... Really, it was just kind of there. And then also the rematch at a house show in 1989 at the Omni happened again. But that was, once again, at a um, house show. Right. WCW used it originally in 1991 at War And five house shows in 1991's Great American Bash Tour in 1992 at War again. Before, it was a traditional fall brawl thing between 1993 and 1998. So just like what you see with NXT TakeOver War Games, you had Fall Brawl being the general place for a right. War Games match outside of the Great American Bash. So I wanted to end this. And when we talked about different versions of cage matches, I want to talk about Hell in a Cell. Because obviously Hell in a Cell just happened not too long ago, and it just makes sense to kick finish off a wrestling lesson with this. The concept of Hell in a Cell is unclear between two writers that are very well known at this right. time, Jim Cornette and Vince Russo, who actually contend with themselves. 
So Jim Cornette claims that the cage is a combination of the cage of the Memphis Championship Wrestling cage and the War Games cage that he came up with. And he also said that he came up with the name of uh, the actual match itself. Vince Russo claims that the creative team wanted to do Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker in a cage match, but the problem is that limits Shawn Michaels' arsenal because Shawn Michaels was a get-on-the-top-rope-and-fly-outside competitor even as a mega-heel that he was. So they came up with this, so Shawn Michaels still had the ability to do this. And he did claim that he came up with the name Hell in a Cell, but Jim Cornette disputes that for obvious reasons because of their tumultuous relationship, right. um, you know, put to a better name. So, um, at Bad Blood, between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker is obviously a classic. Um, not only because of the match itself being the first Hell in a Cell, but the debut of Kane. And obviously that's there. But there have been a lot of great Hell in a Cell matches and some infamous ones. If you want to talk about famous ones, let's talk about um, Undertaker and Big Boss Man. Let's talk about Triple H and Cactus Jack. And obviously, you cannot talk about Hell in a Cell without talking about The Undertaker versus Mankind at King of the Ring 1998's Hell in a Cell. You just can't. Right. But there have been infamous ones as well. And one of them I really wanted to talk about that they just did way too much on was the Kennel from Hell match between Al Snow and Big Boss Man. Because not only did they do, do the Hell in a Cell here, but they also did a cage inside of the Hell in a Cell. And what they did is that they surrounded the ring with dogs. Dogs. Like Dobermans and shit. Huh. The, the, um, the original intention was that these were going to be trained police dogs, but they did not have um, they didn't have the time to do that, so they actually just got trainers to bring in dogs. Unfortunately, the dogs could not give enough of a shit. Well, one of them shit at ringside, right. and then they all started humping each other because they are Rottweilers. Huh. Well, number one, get them spooted or um, uh, spooted, spooted, um, spayed or neutered. <laughs> um, but. It was just a very infamous Hell in a Cell match. And obviously, uh, you can't talk about an infamous Hell in a Cell without talking about Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, where it ended at a disqualification. Uh, So, uh, kind of the end of the day, I really wanted to bring this up because Hell in a Cell and all cage matches have such a great history, rich in tradition, rich in different promotions, a lot of different trial and error stuffs from what we saw with fucking chicken wire to the red cage that we see now and at the very least we at least have this instead of the chicken wire um peanut gallery do you have anything to add before we make pro wrestling majestic again nope all right so when we come back not only are we going to make wwe and hell in a cell majestic but pro wrestling majestic again let's make this majestic again peanut gallery Mick! All right, let's talk about Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. How would you make this majestic again? Here's my issue. Um, I feel like this was Poop. a gigantic wasted opportunity for Kofi Kingston not to turn heel. And for someone to return. Brock Lesnar. <clears throat> right. Now with Drew McIntyre not in title contention, who the fucking face Bobby Lashley? Right. 
And also, Bobby Lashley needs an opponent for um, a really cool little event called SummerSlam. And I get it. There's money in the bank. But who the fuck is going to face him at Money in the Bank? Nobody. I don't know. Build something for WrestleMania. We can go with a not a WWE champion on a goddamn card. Oh, no. They're going to they're gonna have WWE championship it's match. The fucking Bobby Lashley versus his Drew McIntyre's poop or something. I swear to God. It's going to be Bobby Lashley versus MVP. In a, steel, in a steel bed match, because they fuck each other. Hmm. I'd be curious about that. But <laughs> So, yes, um, w- with Drew McIntyre out, I-, I just don't know who you would put in this opportunity whatsoever. Once again, here's, here's WWE booking themselves into a gigantic corner. I'd, that love, gonna... I'd love to see who Bobby Lashley is going to face between now and SummerSlam, because we know who's going to face SummerSlam. Right. I'm sorry. There's no Who's, other person who, who can face him. Who is going to face him in Money in the Bank? Right. Who is? Who? I, I don't know. Unless they do a multi-man. But at the same time, why would you do that? Because you already have multi-man matches happening. Right. Because you have Money in the Bank matches. You got to have your Money in the Bank matches at Money in the Bank, right? Right. Thick! That's why I hate gimmick pay-per-views. Right. It's stupid. Let's book ourselves into a corner. Right. Um. Okay. <sighs> Here's my thing. They're obviously going to continue this rivalry. So They're going to continue this until SummerSlam. Yes. Why wouldn't you wait until SummerSlam to do this? Let's let's build a really good fucking show in really good shit and then do that at SummerSlam. Yeah. Or, yeah, then they build up this pay-per-view and they ruin it with a disqualification. Right. Instead, okay, here's my thing. If you wanted to do this with a weird bullshit finish, why don't you have them just beat the crap out of each other to where the referee just throws out the whole match, but they just continue and continue and continue where it's like, oh my God, a match cannot contain them. Right. That would be great. And then you automatically set up like uh, unsanctioned or disqualification match for later. They're obviously just being way too... And obviously they're being retarded because they can't do this shit correctly. Like once again, we make this majestic again, but it's not fucking hard. I already booked a great fucking rivalry there with just them changing the finish of the match. Or how about you save Charlotte for SummerSlam because really... Charlotte, really? has, Charlotte has nothing left to prove. Like they, I mean, doesn't. here's 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 the thing, is that someone who is, you know, like they they should not have like the same person perform multiple of the same matches with consecutive pay per views. No, they're gonna do that. I know because that's WWE's mo. There should always be a different opponent at each pay per view. The only time you should do a repeat is when someone wins the title from somebody else, and there's a rematch clause. Right. This, this was stupid. This was stupid. But once so, again, so it, now, so now, with my theory, Charlotte Flair should be off contention because she, quote, she, she, she won, right? But but she didn't win time, the title, right? But at the same time, it's just like who the fuck is the heel? Right. I mean, Charlotte Flair is clearly the heel, but Rhea Ripley won with a disqualification to keep the title, so she's. So the who's the fucking heel? This shit is not fucking hard. It's really not. I'm, it, like I'm I so said, ambiguous you, now. Like, who like, do like I, I said, for? Like I said, if you wanted to do something like I this, want, I want a double DQ I want and both have them of, contain it. I want both of them to lose. Fuck. I don't care. Fuck. It's stupid. Anyway, so a match that actually, one number one, made sense, and it was a very good match. It needs to end now. It's they going should, to. If, if they're they not it, going to. They're going to have another rematch because I fucking reasons. I want them to end it. It's stupid that they're still going with it. I know. Why would you continue? 
It, it should have ended at backlash. Bailey, Bailey lost twice. Yeah. Why would you continue? But the problem is, who else can go for the belt? Other Nobody than Bailey can. And Sasha Banks. Nobody can. That's right. the problem. And they're waiting for Sasha Banks for God knows what reason. Obviously, there might be some mitigating factors. But or, at the same or, time, this is why you build stars. Holy shit. Wow, you guys used to be so fucking good at that. But all of a sudden, you can't fucking see talent from a broadside of a fucking Braun Strowman. I know, seriously. God. Oh, or, or maybe they're waiting for fucking Becky Lynch to come back. I mean, I, she was in the Performance Center, I think, like the other day. She is training to come back. Great. Fucking awesome. But, but God, at the, at I, the swear, time, I swear to God they're going to have a rematch at Money in the Bank, and it's going to be awful. Well, they got to do something. And the problem is, here's my thing. They don't got to do something. They don't have to do anything. You don't have to have the title on the line at every pay-per-view. You don't. You seriously don't. And it's so stupid that they do. Right. Because they're like, oh my god, we have that Bianca Belair on there every time. Is Bianca Belair fucking drawing money? No. Is Bailey drawing money? No. The problem was is that you have this history-making thing. You killed Bianca Belair's momentum because, okay, she won the belt. Fantastic. Deserves it. Now what? Right. Who else is going for Bailey? Okay, that's fine for one pay-per-view. But the problem is, after Bailey. Who else is next? Right. Who else is there? There's nobody, nobody. else that that's I could why, possibly that's why, think. That's why I got Bailey again. Because there's nobody even lying behind and Bailey. And we're not saying that that is a bad idea. Bailey is an awesome wrestler and a very safe worker but, and no problem. But, but at the same time, you can't have it three times in a row and expect people to buy three times for the same shit. I know. This was a Hell in a Cell match too. That's done. This thing is over. It's not according to WWE. I guarantee you that shit, man. Because WWE is written by monkeys. This match had no right to be as good as it was. No, absolutely none. I would not do anything differently. Maybe, but they maybe better the they better as fucking hell. The hokey shit is done. Stop it. There was a, there was a way to do supernatural and, shit without oh, looking like they, a bunch of retards. And, and they better as hell not have a rematch. If you want to continue this rivalry, Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jackson the next pay-per-view. If you want to continue this rivalry. Right. Or have like Demon Reginald or something facing Shayna Baszler or something. You can't have this match again. No. Alexa this Bliss match is over. Alexa Bliss has to get rid of this gimmick now. Right. But the problem is, here's my thing, and I was going to talk about this, and I'm so excited to. The only person who can take this bullshit away from her is Bray Wyatt. That's it. And obviously, there are mitigating factors of him not being here. I get it. For somebody who suffers with any kind of mental debilitation, I get it. But I've at the same a, time, who else can do it? I've got someone better. Who? Nikki Cross. To take away Alexa Bliss's powers. Yeah. For her to have them? For her just to get no, rid no, of no, them? No, no, no. Just to get rid of them. To turn her back into the heel. Is she going to take her little Scottish oogly-boogly and sprinkle on some bullshit and that will happen? No. It probably will. McMahon's probably watching this bullshit and saying, Oh my God, we should have Alexa... We should have fucking Nikki Cross just as the fucking fairy god bitch and sprinkle on some oogly-boogly and <laughs> they're going to. WWE, I claim this, so fuck you. They're going to sprinkle some oogly-boogly on Alexa Bliss's fucking face and it's not semen, and boom, done. She's going to be back to fucking sparkly fairy god bitch. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> well, well, wait, wait to crap all over my momentum there. But <laughs> my God. 
See, here's the thing, too, <laughs> is that they have to get rid of it because the um, era of the Thunderdome is coming to it. Yes. So I 100% they have no agree choice. with you. Okay, so with me and my gigantic rant, how would you do it? Well, again, you have to bring in someone like, I mean, and I, I'm glad that the era of the Thunderdome is coming to an end. Right. Because now they can't do the hokey shits. Because right. nobody fucking cares about the hokey shits. Right. They need someone like Nikki Cross to come in to turn Alexa Bliss into the heel that she was before they teamed together. Then they come into the fray as a heel tag team to give some fresh perspective. But here, here's here's the problem, though. How Alexa Bliss is and that's so in- the Alexa, challenge. Al- Al- the challenge is getting rid of the hokey shit. Alexa Bliss is so entrenched into this demonic character, she just can't drop it. It's too important and Oh. Can you go up and take care of that, please? No, I'm not going to. Really? No. You gotta Our our Alexa's going off because they keep saying her name, but the problem is she's so distracting. I know. So anyway, um with with her, with Bliss, unfortunately. She, it's so instrumental to her character, you just can't drop it. There I know. has to be a way for this to break. I You've got to break her out of this. Uh, unless Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler go into like the other world to get the soul it's of Alexa Bliss back. Un- unfortunately. Un- I would be okay with un- that. Unfortunately, though, they're a little too late to that. They have to do something very drastic to get rid of it, because Bray Wyatt stuff isn't even going to work against her. So here's because the thing. they they can't do the hokey shit when you have live fans in attendance. Okay, so how how long do they have until they have to go back? On like tour? two weeks. You can do something in two weeks. You can. You can, yes, but it has to be very drastic. Yes, it would have to be very drastic. I think the thing is is that either Nia Jax or Shayna Baszler or both or Reginald have to go in there and see all of it and do a cinematic. That's the only way to do it. They have to face the Alexa Bliss of this in a cinematic match that takes up an hour of Raw to get like the soul or her out of this state. That's right. the only way to do it. In fact, that would be the best way to do it. Because otherwise, you just, it's not going to work. Right. A cinematic would work. In this situation, because you got to get her out of this. She just can't drop it. That's the problem. Um, I think I kind of got all of it out of there. Um, This match was very good, though. I I can't really say anything bad about it at all. Uh, Let's talk about Cesaro and Seth Rollins. Well, number one, this match shouldn't have happened. I think it should have stopped at WrestleMania. They continued it because I think they got cold feet with Cesaro. Well, number one, they jumped the Cesaro going for the Universal title way too soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Roman Reigns is still way too white hot, and I think Cesaro is still the guy to beat Reigns. Who else can do it? Right. Nobody. Exactly. But Cesaro needs a shot. He needs another shot, but the problem is that they already fucked up. Right. Now, at least with Cesaro is that he passed out. He didn't actually get pinned. He didn't do anything. Right. Um, Him losing to Rollins is kind of weird, unless Rollins is going for the Universal title, which wouldn't make any sense. This match meant nothing. And they did it because they did it. But the problem is that people watch it. And obviously, we're talking about it here. And it, it just didn't make any sense. The problem was, is that, no, number one, I just kind of had a feeling that Rollins was going to win. 
Yeah. They're going to pull off some bullshit with Cesaro. Cesaro needs to fucking leave this stupid company. I know. They're not giving him... If they're not giving him a shot at the WWE or Universal Champion at this point, like, why the fuck are you still here? They did it once in his entire time. Why once? Right. It's one of the best wrestlers that you've had in the last 10 fucking years. Right. And because of your weird-ass 20, 20 monkeys with a fucking ukulele and a dildo booking, the problem is, is that now Cesaro means nothing. And Seth Rollins winning it just kind of put that stamp on there that, that Cesaro cannot hang with the big boys because Rollins is a big boy. Right. He's, he's already established himself as being a great world champion contender, but Reigns is a heel. Right. And Rollins is a heel. It would make any sense for Rollins to face Reigns, and it would make any sense for Cesaro. Why would Cesaro get a universal title match after losing? Right. So what's Reigns going to do? Is he going to wait until SummerSlam? I don't know. Who? Like, I, I just legitimately don't know what they're going to do. Unless they have Jimmy Uso facing Reigns for the Universal Champion. No, they're going to have Rey Mysterio face him again because that's a good idea. Let's take him off of the pay-per-view and let's do this. That's fine. Whatever. It, it was stupid. It this was. was a really poor idea, um, but the match itself was good. And let's talk about our final one, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. So number one, a good rivalry going into it. it number it two, is. a fantastic match. And number three, I'm done with it. Uh, yeah, me I'm too. I'm so done with this match. Keep these two on different brands for like six goddamn months because there's no way. They're always running into each other. They're, they're always crossing paths. They're too good together. They're too talented separately. What can you do? Honestly, they want these two together clearly. But it's like I, I'm done with it. I'm absolutely done with it. Yep. Oh, and then um, before, before though, we should also talk about the fucking Universal Championship match, which was supposed to be on the pay-per-view, but they decided to compete with not only a hockey playoff game, but also with fucking AEW. Let's and talk have it on, and have it on SmackDown. And have it on SmackDown. On Let's here. talk about that really quick before okay. before we get off here because I think it's worth mentioning. I think it is because it was a it was a significant title match on the show in a Hell in a Cell match. I, I, I don't like Rey Mysterio and Roman Reigns in a rivalry. It it just does not. I do. I, I'm actually going to disagree with you on that. I, I am not. That, that was a one-off pay-per-view thing. Obviously, Rey Mysterio lost, and that's it. And here's, here, right, and here's my thing. And now the, the, the rivalry itself was fine going into it. I like the fact that with Rey Mysterio um, going into it for the sake of Roman Reigns injuring his son, a very easy, clean rivalry. Ray and Dominic need to be in the tag team title picture. I don't hey, know. They're, they are ta- they're tag team champions. So they're not in the title picture for the tag team titles. They're not anywhere in the tag team division. They're always involved in Roman Reigns bullshit. This was the first. This is the first interaction. The Usos faced Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio for the tag team champions. That's fine, but you Reigns Reigns went in and interfered. Dominic. Attacked Reigns and Reigns threw Dominic out. I don't know why. Maybe Dominic is somewhat hurt. I don't know. But I feel like with Rey Mysterio being Rey goddamn motherfucking Mysterio facing Roman Reigns, that should have been on this pay-per-view. Yeah. That would have sold some tickets. That would have done something. Or selling tickets is colloquial, obviously. That would have put butts in seats. That would have put butts in seats. People would have been interested because, number one, 
It was a good story going into it. Number two, Roman Reigns matches very good. Number three, a Rey Mysterio matches very good, especially for the title and in Hell in a Cell. And actually, the match itself was good. I watched it. It was a really good match. I liked but it. But of course, that's the only reason I ever wanted to watch that pay per view. If honestly, if it wasn't my job, I would have watched Hell in a Cell because I didn't care about any other match except for the Rey Mysterio. And then Drew McIntyre's match. match. Don't care about that one. Really? I, no, I saw that four times. I don't got. I don't give a fuck about. At least, at least, at least with the Rey Mysterio Roman Reigns thing, it was fresh. I don't. I don't give a fuck about Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley for the fourth fucking time. At WrestleMania, that should have been it, but they didn't do that because they're morons. Great. Now they're done. So, um, I definitely think it should have been addressed. I fucking hope they're done. It should, have been, it should have stayed on Hell in a Cell. Why did they do that? Because they're trying to compete with the fucking playoffs. The problem is, when you're trying to compete with the playoffs, don't compete with the playoffs. You're going to lose. Every time. Every time. There's no way you can win. Even when it was 1999, blah, 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 the numbers don't lie. They were always down. Right. They were always down at that time because of playoffs. I'm sorry, WWE, you cannot compete with other sports because you said it yourself. You're not a sport. Don't try to compete with UFC. Well, number one, you should not be compared to UFC, and maybe that'll be a topic for another day. But don't try to compete with them. Don't. Right. Try to do the best product you can do all the time, and people will watch. Right. This shit is not fucking hard. All right. Anyways, on that note, we're going to end. But before we go, what are we discussing next week? So next week, because things are opening back up, we have tours going on, especially with AEW going on the road, I think like next week. And um, WWE, right around the corner, we're going to talk about the COVID era. Not just um, our show with the Pro Wrestling Zone, because it changed a lot between then and now. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only with the wrestling industry as a whole, but the television. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go brand by brand. And yeah, we're gonna go. Brand, we're we're is... gonna we're gonna go really in depth and really deconstruct a lot of it. What they did well, what they did wrong, um, a lot of this. So what's going to happen? There's no wrestling lesson. There's no heckling from the hard camera. It's gonna be one free form discussion all the way through. We're not gonna do any positive and, breaks. And it's gonna be on Saturday. Yes. The show is going to be on Saturday because number one, Fourth of July is on. Sunday. No, no, no. This is that's the following oh, week. Oh, sorry, that's the following week. Uh, um, Mothership. Mothership is here, so actually she's going to be going out that night. So it's actually a good time to do that. So um, stay tuned for that. It will be posted here on YouTube, which you should subscribe to if you haven't yet. Uh, like the video, comment down below, and share it with your friends. Um, join our Patreon because we have great perks, and it's not based on. Uh, your patron is, but how many? So if you share it around and get people on there, it's like five bucks a month. Uh, you get different content, and the more people join, the more content people get. So definitely share it with your peeps, and uh, we'll do the shows regardless. And should we do another live episode because it's just one big free form, whatever? Um, we'll talk about that. Okay, I'm not sure yet. I was thinking about it. Live, I'm not sure yet. Live TBD. But we are definitely going to talk about. COVID. I will. I will. I will announce that if we determine if it's going to or not on my social on the social media here, which you should follow on the flow page down below. We'll actually link you to pretty much everything. Yep. Um. And as always, be majestic.